you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 106, 106 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I am part of the Big Night Media family where you can find great podcasts like The Marky P Show, Drinks After Work, Those Girls You Know, Eat the Damn Cake, Let's Get Rich Podcast, and Burnt Toast. And I also have to let you know about the Big Night Boutique. It's basically a toy and clothing drive for the Be Strong Fund, which helps out less fortunate employees of Big Night Entertainment Group. It goes from January 11th, which is today, Monday, January 11th, to January 16th. You can deliver all your, you know, slightly used toys and clothes, etc., etc., uh, at Scorpion Bar in Boston or at High Rollers down at Foxwoods during their hours of operation. And you can get more information at BigNight.com. So yeah, check it out. Big Night Boutique, a toy and clothing drive helping out Big Night Entertainment Group employees that just need some things for their families. It's a great cause. Make sure you go support it. More information at BigNight.com. And you can also go to BigNightShop.com and get all of your Banner Banter podcast merchandise. Do it up, listen to the podcast, buy some merch, donate some clothes, donate some toys. Thanks so much. Moving on, what a weird week for the Boston Celtics. Some great wins and some COVID. So let's just get this out of the way right now. Continue to social distance, continue to wash your hands like a grown-up should, and wear a mask. Thanks so much. Okay, so I'm going to break down all the COVID stuff for you. I'm going to break down all the games and preview the upcoming week with the Boston Celtics, which is going to be a weird one because they're probably only going to have seven or eight players available. If one player gets hurt, they're not going to be able to have enough people to play. It's going to be very, very weird. So right now, the Celtics are currently 7-3. and three. They're tied for first place in the Atlantic Division and in the Eastern Conference with the Philadelphia 76ers. And nine days from today, on January 20th, they're playing a little mini-series against the Philadelphia 76ers. Two games. Three nights, it's important, or at least I think it is. So everyone better be back by then and play in English. And hopefully everyone is healthy, hopefully their families are healthy, and we can get back to playing some basketball real soon. So this past week, the Celtics destroyed the Toronto Raptors last Monday in Tampa, 126-114. to Then they beat the Heat in Miami, 107-105. to They come back to the Garden, have a weird win against the Washington Wizards, and then last night the game got postponed against the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat did not have enough players due to the amount of players that were already on their injury list and with the fact that they had an inconclusive COVID test. So the NBA just said, you know what? They don't have enough players. Screw it. Let's move on. We'll reschedule, which is why the NBA only did half of the schedule. That's, excuse me, and for those of you that don't know, basically the NBA only did the schedule until March 4th. That way they have an opportunity to reschedule a lot of games just in case games do get canceled or postponed over COVID. So before we get into all the COVID stuff, let's break down the Raptors and Heat Heat game. The Raptors game was a very weird one. Tremont Waters was in the starting lineup with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice. Marcus Smart was out with a sprained thumb. Teague was out with a sprained ankle. And I guess Brad Stevens really wanted Peyton Pritchard to come off the bench. Couldn't agree more with him. It worked out very well. Peyton Pritchard was awesome in this game. I think he scored over 20 points in this game, I think. Was this the game where he scored over 20 points? Sorry, it's just been a weird week, and I feel like I've been paying more attention to the Celtics COVID situation than anything else. But I I am pretty sure that Peyton Pritchard dropped 
20 some odd points in this game if 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 I remember correctly. I'm going to check right now while I talk to you, but obviously to start off the game, Kyle Lowry getting an and one three-pointer. Yeah, it just pisses me off because I don't like Kyle Lowry. I don't like Kyle Lowry at all. Yeah, this is the game Peyton Pritchard had 23 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 points, 8 assists, 3 turnovers, and was a plus 18. That's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, so I'm glad Peyton Pritchard came off the bench. The Celtics need bench scoring, especially against the Raptors. If we all remember how everything went with the bubble, the Celtics sucked, uh, or their Celtics bench sucked uh, in the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors in the bubble. But, yeah, Kyle Lowry starts off the game, gets an AM1 three-pointer, and you're like, oh, no, here we go. Because here's the thing. No one took more three-pointers per game heading into this game than the Toronto Raptors, and they start off by hitting six out of seven. And the Celtics' defense was just sluggish. It didn't move. The communication really wasn't there, and it was kind of very annoying. And then minus Peyton Pritchard, the first two guys off the bench after Peyton were Aaron Neesmith and Shemi Ojale. Peyton's energy, I I mean, we talk about it every week. His energy, how fearless he is, he came out and somehow they got the lead down to single digits because they were down 11, 12 points. But Peyton came out and they got it down. Neesmith, Neesmith just isn't ready yet, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people want to see him play as soon as possible, but he looks clueless out there. And I know I said that last week too, but it, 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 it really and truly is fascinating how clueless Aaron Neesmith is. It's it's kind of scary, and we're gonna and we're gonna have to be very patient with him. But he got three fouls in three minutes. I mean, he did have a couple nice offensive possessions, including a nice hockey pass that led to a Jason Tatum three. So those were good. But he's, I feel like it's the game's too quick for him. He's very slow to react on defense, and that's okay. But the the second quarter starts, and it's crazy that Grant Williams is turning what Chemi Ojale used to be. Grant Williams on offense just stands in the corner. And then if he ever catches the ball, he just stands still if he's guarded. Like, he'll just catch it and just stand still. But if he has an open shot, he'll take it. And when I mean open, he has to be wide open. Like, wide open. And it's very frustrating. But with that being said, his defense last week was great, especially on Bam Adebayo, and we'll talk about that soon. But his defense showed up late in the second quarter, and it was very nice to see. The Time Lord came out, and he is doing so much better defending the the pick and roll. Like, he's waiting for the roller or the ball handler to come to him before he reacts. It's, it's very good to see. I love to see it. I'm telling you folks, the Time Lord, I know I've been preaching the Time Lord ever since I started this podcast in August of 2018. The Time Lord is going to help this team big time down the road. I promise you. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I have faith that he's going to deliver. So, uh, what else happened in the second quarter that I'm trying to remember? I'm, last Monday seemed like centuries ago, doesn't it? But Peyton Pritchard. I love how he finds his spots and gets to them and isn't afraid to shoot once he gets to them. I I feel like if you look at all of Peyton Pritchard's shots this year, you might find two or three bad ones. And what I mean by that is just shot selection-wise. Like, eh, I don't know about that kid. But he is doing such a good job getting to the areas where he's comfortable and scoring once he gets there. And that's huge. The other thing that I loved in this game was Jason Tatum getting rebounds and pushing the ball up the floor. That was awesome. Instead of him getting a rebound and being all nonchalant, taking his time, waiting for the ISO, he basically became a point forward for this team. And I feel like that changes the offense. And it will also change how teams defend the Celtics. Seriously, he had 22 points in the first half. His defense was also much better in this game than any other game that he's played this year. But it was actually pretty crazy. The Celtics, if I remember correctly, gave up 18 points in the first four minutes of the game. And in the next 17 minutes of the game, they only gave up 24 points. That's exactly what you want to see. They obviously didn't start off very well. They were all out of sorts. And then they got their shit together. And it worked out well. And it was great. The rebounding was fantastic. No second chances. They doubled the Raptors uh, in rebounds at one point in the second quarter. It was awesome. And then with about with probably about four minutes to go, the Celtics were up five. And then 90 seconds later, Tatum hit a three. Peyton hit a three, Grant Williams hit a three, and it was awesome. I, What was one of the stats that I saw? I think it was 
Jason Tatum had 22 points, and the Raptors had 28 points in the last 20 minutes of the first half. <laughs> like, that that's just absolutely ridiculous. So, third quarter rolls around, and it's Shemi, Tremont Waters, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Tristan Thompson. So, no Tice. It was weird. Celtics were up 15 at the time. Tatum continued his good shooting, but the Raptors were much more aggressive. They attacked the rim, got a couple and ones. They cut the lead down to 10 with about less than three. Well, no, they cut the lead with about three or four minutes into the third quarter. But then Tatum and Brown just started exchanging baskets, and it was art. It was beautiful. It was superb. It was, oh, they, it, it really and truly is crazy how long these two kids have come from getting draft, like especially Jalen Brown. I feel like we knew Tatum was going to be a star at some point. Obviously, we didn't know it was going to be before he turned, like, what, 23 because he's still 19. <laughs> um, but it is absolutely insane how much Jalen and Jason have improved and the fact that they're just exchanging buckets. Like, go ahead. This time it's your turn. That's Sorry if I'm, like, a stuttering Stanley. It's... 628 in the morning I, my plan was before the the heat game uh got canceled was i was going to record monday morning and then the heat game didn't get canceled and you're like okay and then the tiger woods documentary started and i was like well now i'm definitely not going to do anything at all so i'm recording this very very early i'm exhausted but banner branch podcast is for the people so i gotta i i gotta do it i gotta do it uh, what else did I love about what the Celtics did in the third quarter? Oh, yeah. Jalen and Jason Brown. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is what I meant. So for whatever reason, Nick Nurse put in Alex Len instead of Aaron Baines. And Alex Len was just in the middle of the court defending the high pick and roll that the Celtics were setting. And he was just sitting there waiting. And Jalen and Jason were like... <laughs> their eyes wide open, deer in headlights, and they just attacked the basket and got easy hoops over and over and over again. So then Nick Nurse said, all right, that's not working. Let's try his own. And Peyton Pritchard just ripped that apart. Peyton Pritchard had more points at the end of the third than the entire Raptors bench, where in the bubble last year, it was basically Norman Powell would have more points than the entire Celtics bench. So that was huge. And speaking about Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse complains so much. And he doesn't even wear his mask right. Did anyone see this game? He literally wore his mask upside down, and it was so frustrating. And his mannerisms, oh, my God, just a nice little punch in the face, I think, would, would do him well. But fourth quarter comes around. Jason Tatum gets his 40th point, and Brad took him right out, which I am beyond okay with. I really am. But seriously, here's, here's why. Jason Tatum is going to play a lot of minutes for this basketball team this season, and I understand the kid's young, and he's probably not tired, but any time that he can get rest, so be it. I'm sure he's a little frustrated and he didn't get to his career high. Maybe he wanted to get 50. I get all that. Jason Tatum will eventually drop 50 points in a game. Jason Tatum will eventually reach his career high again. I'm not concerned about any of that. I would rather have Jason Tatum get some rest in these type of situations when you know you're going to win the basketball game. So kudos to Brad on that. But overall, Grant Williams, I thought, was awesome, especially on the defensive end. He even rebounded the ball very well. Time Lord played some nice minutes. Tremont Waters, even though the game didn't start off very well for him, I thought he played some really good minutes. And then, not to complain a lot because it was a good game overall, but the Celtics kept playing really hard. I mean, uh, the Raptors kept playing really hard. And they got it down to 10 points after the Celtics were up like 20-plus. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had to come back in. And that's not really ideal. And it's crazy how this is happening over and over and over again. Because it, it happened in the Wizards game on Friday. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But these bench guys have to find a way to close so Jalen and Jason doesn't have to come back. Like if you're up 20 points, 15 points in the fourth quarter, there is and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum leave with about six or seven minutes left to go. There should be no reason why they come back with two or three minutes to go. It's an absolute joke that they did that. But I'm trying not to be angry about it because there's much more serious things going on with the Boston Celtics right now. And I know that probably makes you f feel uncomfortable, but just think about how uncomfortable it makes me not to overreact on something. So let's get into the Heat game. It was supposed to be a two-game miniseries, one game on Wednesday and another game on Sunday. This game on Sunday, as you know, was postponed. 
I mentioned that earlier. And then the game on Wednesday, which was on ESPN, was actually a really fun basketball game. So Brad Stevens went back to the big-time lineup. Marcus Smart was back in the starting lineup, so it was Smart, Tice, Thompson, Jalen, Jason. And luckily, Eric Spolstra started Kelly Olenek for the Miami Heat. And, yeah, I... You guys know my thoughts on Kelly Olenek. I never liked Kelly Olenek when he was here in any way, shape, or form. Not as much as I dislike Romeo Langford, but my oh my was it close. So Jason Tatum's shot, uh, shot selection in the first quarter was awesome. And I, I thought Scal brought up a really good point. And Scal said that they had to make an extra pass going into this game to beat the Miami Heat's defense. And they did that. And the, this was the best that the starting five looked all year. The offense was in motion. The defense was playing well. Not great, but better than what they what they usually do. But the offense looked so, so good. Jalen was coming off curls. And the way that he comes off of curls, catches it, dribbles it, and finds his shot, and he can either attack the rim, he can just catch it, pull it. That's something that Aaron Neesmith, I hope, down the road can learn from Jalen and improve more because that will get Aaron Neesmith more shots more open shots and you don't want to leave Aaron Neesmith open because he can hit those eventually again patience so the Celtics defense was really solid in this game I thought they recovered very well if the ball movement was very good by the Miami Heat which it usually is they they were contesting shots a huge improvement like I mentioned better than anything else that I've seen all season from the starting five but the Celtics have to figure out once Peyton Pritchard does come in and he gets switched to a four or a five, or in some cases a Jimmy Butler. In this case, you you gotta figure out what what to do. Who's gonna come over and help? The communication has to be better because NBA teams are going to figure out once Peyton Pritchard gets on, let's say a three, like Jimmy Butler, it's over. I mean, listen, we love Peyton Pritchard. He goes balls to the wall. 110% but the kid's also six foot nothing the kid also weighs probably 125 pounds soaking wet and Jimmy Butler Ben Simmons LeBron James you know I'm trying to think of other people in the league uh Giannis like those type of guys are going to eat him up in the post and that definitely showed in that first half and also late in the game too Jimmy Butler used and abused him at times but the first game I feel like this was the first game he looked lost on the offensive end when the Heat came out with their larger 2-3 zone. So if you guys remember from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, one of the things that the Raptors did was play a 2-3 zone, which the Celtics really didn't like. But the thing that the Celtics absolutely hated was the longer extended version of that 2-3 zone where basically instead of putting the wings on the wings of the baseline, they now put their wings on the elbows of the 2-3 zone. So they put Iggy and Jimmy Butler up there, which means it's more difficult to pass the ball around the floor and swing it around because you have longer defenders, more athletic defenders up there. And I felt like this was the first time Peyton Pritchard felt uncomfortable in an NBA game. With that being said, he did have one sick spin move in the paint. Beautiful footwork made Drogic look like an idiot, even though I love Drogic. I think he's a great player. But... Second quarter rolls around, and Shemi Ojeley is hitting jab-step three-pointers. This is when you know 2020 is wild. I mean, 2020 was bananas, but 2021 is wild if Shemi Ojeley is hitting jab-step three-pointers, where he basically takes a jab, takes the ball back, takes a, takes a jab, and then shoots it. Unbelievable. So the thing that I loved of what Shemi did, Shemi took a three, missed it, followed his own shot, and then put it in. Like, what a glass case of emotions Shemi Ojale is for me this year. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable. It was brutal to get here. And I'm going to talk about Shemi Ojale in a little bit. But Shemi Ojale going, he literally scored like eight points in a matter of like three minutes in the second quarter. And it was a very important eight points. And who would have thought? Then Tatum got hit in the back of the head. And I got really scared. He was definitely shaken up from it, and it made me feel really uncomfortable. And any anytime I see Jason Tatum in pain, I die inside. I would I would rather take the pain for Jason Tatum, seriously. But I loved how the Celtics defended Bam Adebayo. They forced him to pick up his dribble early, 
and then the Celtics just jam the paint so no one could cut back door, and they can be prepared if someone comes off a screen. I thought it was beautiful. So if you pick him up early and you make him feel uncomfortable dribbling, you force him to be a pass, a, a good passer, which, you know, at times he is. But overall, if a big man is picking up his dribble five, six feet before the three-point line, huh, you, that's great defense. And I thought that was a great job by Brad. Celtics did get up 15 at one point, and then the Heat started picking up their pace a little bit. The Celtics hit, I think, like one field goal in the last five minutes. And then Marcus made a dumb, 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 stupid, stupid, like, oh, my God. Like, thinking about it, I'm I'm getting angry. It's just such a stupid foul on Tyler, Tyler Hero at the end of the second half. Tyler Hero was just chucking it up, heaving it, and Marcus Smart fouled him. And he went to the free throw line. He went to the free throw line. It was absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. But even though the Celtics, the offense looked good and things were going well, they shot 14% from three and 26% from the floor. It was it, I swear to God, it was the Eastern Conference Finals all over again. So you don't feel very good going into it. So third quarter rolls around, and all you're saying to yourself is, don't let Duncan Robinson get going. And guess what he did? He got going. Of course he did. And the Heat's defense really started packing the pain area where the Celtics got a lot of their points in the first half. The big lineup just didn't work this time. Spo made the right adjustments to it. Of course, Jimmy Butler, who has really kind of stunk going into this game. And he wasn't 100% healthy, but of course he has his best game of the season. Luckily, the Celtics went down five, and Tatum came back to save the day. Peyton and Time Lord... Um, I believe, yeah Peyton, and Time, yeah, Peyton and Time Lord played very well together. Their pick and roll game is getting better and better. And then the thing that I like about Peyton when it comes to the Time Lord is he throws it up. While other guys will throw it up, Peyton throws it the hell up there. Like he says, hey, Rob, go get it. And he gets it. Where I feel like everyone else is like, here you go, good luck, little cute little lob. Peyton just chucks it up there, and he trusts Time Lord, and I think that's great. If those two can work to work well together with Grant Williams, and then if Kemba comes back, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but uh, I think it was tied up heading into the fourth quarter, and it was just a hard-fought game in the fourth quarter on both ends. It was Bam out of bio, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler. They were just do- do- doing awesome things, but... Remember last week in episode 105, I said the Celtics had to go to the free throw line more? At one point in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler had nine free throws, and the Celtics starters had ten free throws. So, so, so infuriating. But the thing that kind of calmed me down was Grant Williams' defense on Bam Adebayo. Grant Williams played great defense on Bam Adebayo. Is Bam Adebayo a much better player than Grant Williams? As a matter of fact, he is. He's much better. But Grant Williams made it difficult for Bam Adebayo, and that's what you want to see because he couldn't guard him in the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble, and then a couple months later, he can defend him better. I like that a lot. I really and truly did. So with about, what was it, four minutes to go? Maybe five minutes to go? Maybe even three minutes to go, but I think it was about four minutes to go. The Heat showed that extended or longer 2-3 zone, and the Celtics moved the ball well. They extended the lead to 10. Great shots by Jalen and Jason. And then all of a sudden, this freaking team gets soft again, and they let the Heat come back to tie the game. I, <laughs> The Celtics had like a 10-point lead with 90 seconds left. How you have to rely on the final play when you're up 10 with 90 seconds left, I... I I don't get it, and to be honest with you, I'll never understand it. There's a lot of things I don't understand in life, like science, fractions, how to cook. There's many things I, I, I'm just not very good at, and I'll never understand, okay? I will never understand why the Boston Celtics can't hold on to a double-digit lead. You could tell me anything. You could tell me it's the coach. You could tell me it's the players. You could tell me it's the fans. You could tell me it's the basket. You could tell me it's the refs. I'd believe any of it because I'm dying to know an answer. Why does this team continuously give up leads? I don't get it. Now, obviously the final play of the game. A couple things to talk about here. Number one, 
I'm going to assume that the number one option wasn't Marcus Smart to drive down the hole and hopefully pick up a foul. But that's what he did. Number two, thank God for Peyton Pritchard. What a follow-up. That little guy just kind of was like a TLC creep song. He was a creep, yeah, just creeping on the down low and got that rebound, laid it in, absolutely fantastic. But for a lot of you that may not have noticed and were jumping up and down due to excitement, I wasn't because I was so angry that they gave up the lead, but a win's a win, so you take it, is Marcus Smart. What is going on with Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart, at the end of that game, when the whole team was celebrating, was complaining that he didn't get a foul call. If this was like three or four years ago, Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart would have picked up Peyton Pritchard, put him on his shoulders, and carried him to the locker room. Why is Marcus Smart complaining about a foul when his teammate just got a game-winning basket with two-tenths of a second left? Why? I don't... uh, I don't know. I didn't like it at all. I don't like it at all. I don't know what's going on, but it has to change as soon as possible. I did not like how Marcus Smart responded at the end of that game. Your teammate, a rookie, this little kid that's at this point is making you look lazy because that's how much he's flying around the court, is just scored an unbelievable basket for your team to beat the Miami Heat, a team that you lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, a team that is struggling right now, and you are helping them struggle even more by losing another close game. And you move on. At that point, you've won five out of six, not up and shut up. Who cares if you do? Uh, I don't know. That really annoyed me. It almost made the dud of the week, but it didn't. So let's talk about the Washington Wizards game. Another good but beyond frustrating game by the Celtics. So before the game started, the Celtics ran into their first COVID-19 issue of the season. The Time Lord tested positive. He's asymptomatic. For everything that I've been reading, he's doing fine. He's doing great. But due to NBA contact tracing, Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson are out for 7 to 10 days, and the Time Lord is out for at least 10. Then I'll talk about that in a little bit. So Jeff Teague was also back from his ankle injury, which is a good thing. So if you lose three guys and you gain one, that's a good thing. So before the game even started, we found out about Kemba Walker. And supposedly... Kemba Walker will be practicing this week. The Celtics are going to take it nice and slow like it's an Usher song, and I'm okay with that. 7 o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top cruising the street. Oh, yeah. Take this nice and slow. I do not want to see Kemba Walker play this week at all. Kemba Walker wants to come back for the 76ers series? Fine. Kemba Walker comes back after the 76ers series? I'm okay with that too. Brad Stevens says Kemba Walker hasn't had any pain in his knee in a while, and that's great and cute and adorable and all, but he hasn't practiced or scrimmaged or probably played more than 25 aggressive minutes on an NBA floor. Take it slow. But it's very good news that Kemba will be practicing this week with the team. So thumbs up there. All right, so now that Tristan Thompson's out, now that Grant Williams out, now that the Time Lord's out, who is going to step up in the starting lineup? So, you know you got Smart, you know you got Jalen, you know you got Tice, you know you got Jason, and Brad plugs in Shemi Ojale, and Shemi Ojale played pretty damn well. He finished with eight points, five boards, and all eight points were from his own 8-2 run. That's right, Shemi Ojale went on his own 8-2 run. Absolutely fantastic. So, the one thing that you go into this game, you're going, all right, you're you're down three big men. You got Tice and Taco. Daniel Tice cannot get into foul trouble. And Daniel Tice gets two fouls in three minutes. But Brad trusted him and believed in him, and he kept him kept him in there. And Daniel Tice actually scored five out of the first nine Celtics points. Because, of course. Because, of course, he did. Then Taco comes in. And I'll be honest. We all know that... Uh, I'm a fan of Taco Fall, the individual. I am not a fan of Taco Fall, the basketball player. I, I appreciate his height, his, his hard work. I appreciate it all. But Taco comes in, and Russell Westbrook thought that he could dunk on Taco Fall. And even though I may not like Taco Fall, the basketball player, I'm not dumb enough to try and block or try and dunk on Taco. Westbrook went up, blocked him. And it was good. It was all ball. It was all ball. It was fantastic. 
So when Taco's in, Brad is making the Celtics play a zone. And the reason why is, next time you Taco comes out on the floor, watch his feet. Why do you ask? Because Taco just taps either his left or right foot, whatever side the ball is on, into the paint. That way he doesn't get a defensive three-seconds call because, in reality, Taco, when he was in college, was able to just stand in the paint, spread his arms out, and good luck trying to score. I mean, he gave Zion Williamson a hard time against uh, when he was at UCF against Duke in the NCAA tournament. Never forget, because I think maybe that's why I may not like Taco so much, because that was so freaking stressful. But with that being said... That zone defense, I'm interested to see if it works out for the other four guys on the court and if Brad changes it, maybe with Tristan Thompson in there or Daniel Tyson there or the Time Lord in there. I'm very interested. But watch Taco's feet. He'll, like, put it in for a second, take it out, put it in for a second, take it out, either the right or the left foot, depending on what side of the floor he's on. It's hilarious to watch, but it's the right thing to do because there is no way Taco can defend the pick and roll or anything like that. So that's great. Now, the other thing that I have to say about Taco is he did look a lot better, like night and day compared to last year. He has obviously improved, and I think the number one thing we have to look at is the conditioning. He could run up and down the floor, and there were a couple times that he did where he would block a shot or get a rebound, throw the outlet pass, and run down the floor and get, you know, I think one time he actually got an easy bucket. That is great to see. That shows that the Celtics and their training staff are working with him very well and things are working out. So I am all for that. So props to Taco for his hard work and improving every day. Bravo to you. So in the first quarter, the Celtics offense looked good. They were aggressive. They got off the floor quickly. They didn't let the Wizards set up their defense. Jason Tatum had 14 points in the first quarter, including an absolutely sick skip pass to Peyton Pritchard for three. And then second quarter comes around. Jason Tatum goes out. Jalen Brown comes in, and Jalen Brown says, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up the scoring. And I've said this every single week in the podcast this season. If Jason Tatum can score with the second unit and Jalen Brown can score with the second unit, that is so important for this team because if you're just relying on Jason Tatum to score with the second unit, you're going to lose some basketball games. That's not a shot at Jason Tatum. It's just if only he can't play all 48 minutes. So whenever he's sitting, if you can have someone else picking up some, if not all, of his scoring slack, that is a good thing. So Jalen Brown got his 18th point of the game in the second quarter, and that also extended the lead to 18, which is great. Javante Green came in. He played a couple nice minutes. He's so athletic. He really is. It was absolutely fantastic. So uh, Celtics are up, what, 18 or 19 heading into the third quarter, and it's, it's a damn shame we can't feel comfortable. With, with the Celtics having such a big lead. Thankfully, Russell Westbrook was all out of sorts. I know he coming into the game or the last game, he got a dislocated finger, so he might have felt uncomfortable. But thankfully, the Celtics were able to get this big lead because Russell Westbrook just stunk in this game. You know who didn't stink in this game? Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal went off for 40-plus points. And folks, if you've listened to every episode of this, every single time we play the Wizards, I have to say this. I love Bradley Beal. I really and truly enjoy Bradley Beal so much. He is my favorite non-Celtics NBA player, not named J.J. Redick, okay? He is awesome. He can score at any level. He can defend. He smiles. He has fun. He works hard. And I hate how much NBA players are moving around these days. I loved what Paul Pierce did. I love what... Tim Duncan did. I love what Dirk did. You know, the the Dwayne Wade for ninety eight percent of his career. I love players that stay with the organization the entire time. Bradley Beal deserves to be on a better team. Bradley Beal would be awesome on the Boston Celtics, but it's not going to happen. Bradley Beal wants to win with the team that drafted him, and I respect that so much. But we're moving on. So, Wizards start cutting the lead down a bit, and I don't like it. They get it down to fourteen. And then all of a sudden the Celtics are like, yeah, it's just 14. We're fine. And they just didn't care. They got lazy. It's almost like they were stat padding. And I don't like that. It it makes me so angry. It, it Not only does it make me angry, but it's also like an angry, like, evil, like, like I'm going mentally insane laugh where it it's laughable how bad the Celtics are at holding big leads. The Celtics were up 28 points 
with 7.34 to go in the third quarter. And then with 7.34 to go in the fourth quarter, they were only up four. 12 minutes, they lost a 28-point lead and cut it down <laughs> to four. So the Wizards were 24 points better in a matter of 12 minutes. The Celtics started off the fourth quarter, four of 18. Four of 18. Then Pritchard hit a three. Smart went to the line. Taco got a nice second chance dunk. And then luckily Jalen Brown put it away with a corner three with about 90 seconds to go. Folks, I like if you know why, I why the Celtics can't hold on to leads, big double digit leads, please email me at bannerbanterpodcastgmail.com. You can tweet me at bannerbanter18 on Twitter. You can message me on Instagram and Facebook at bannerbanterpodcast. Like, I'll take anything. It, is it Brad? Is it the players? Is it the basketball, the refs, the arena, the GM? The, the season ticket reps. I, I I need to know what the fuck is going on with this team when they hold big leads. So, obviously I'd be talking about the Heat game now. That's obviously not the case because it got postponed. So, now that the the week is over, we need to talk about Stud and Dud of the Week. We'll preview the upcoming game for the uh, upcoming games for the Celtics this week. And then we'll move on to episode 107. So, as always, hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud. <laughs> And the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week. The stud, I'm going to be honest with you folks, it's going to be surprising. Because should it be Tatum because he dropped 40 and how well he played against Miami Heat? Should it be Jalen Brown because he's played so well? Nope. It is Shemi Ojale. Yep, that's right. I said it. Shemi Ojale is your stud of the week. And here's why. I am all about people shutting me up when I'm wrong. I'm here for it. And going into the season preview, <laughs> I mentioned that I wanted Shemi Ojale to play a lot in the preseason so teams can see him and then want to trade for him so he can get the hell out of here. And Shemi Ojale has played great this season. He really and truly has. This past week, he averaged 23 minutes a game, 8 points, 5 boards, and averaged to be a plus 10 every night. Shemi Ojale averaged to be a plus 10 in all three games that the Celtics played. Not a total, but an average. He shot 42% from three, and he's not being a robot anymore. He's moving around on the offensive end. He's just not standing in the corner. He's hitting tough shots. He's attacking the rim. He That shot where against the Miami Heat, where he missed the shot, followed it up, laid it in. Oh, what a thing of beauty. That is every single basketball coach's dream to follow your shot. Now, as happy as Shemi is playing, or as happy as I am that Shemi's playing so well, can we trust him? Can the Celtics trust Shemi Ojale going forward? Right now, it's hard not to say yes. You, I mean, you, you got to trust him. But I don't know. I, I, I just hope it's not a little streak, and then he goes cold, and then he, he loses his confidence. I'm nervous about that. So I'll be a little negative Nancy right now that even though he had a great week, and I hope it continues when he comes back from COVID or his COVID contact tracing, I hope it can continue because if Shemi Ojale can give you 20 points, I mean uh, 20 minutes a game and give you 8 and 5 and play good defense and hit some open shots when they are needed, not saying he needs to be the number one scoring option, he can be fourth. Hell, he could be fifth. But as long as he can hit those open shots, when the time comes, it's hard not to say you can't trust Shemi Ojale. But for right now, I'm a little iffy about it. But Shemi Ojale, bravo to you, good sir. What a good, solid week of basketball on both ends of the floor. The dud of the week is going to be COVID-19. COVID-19 has hit this team, and I'm, a, and I'm not going to lie to you. It stinks, and it's a little scary. Time Lord, tested positive, asymptomatic. Jason Tatum, tested positive for COVID. From what I've been reading, he's also asymptomatic. So Tatum and the Time Lord have to quarantine 10 to 14 days, and they have to have multiple negative tests in a row. I don't know what the number is. I think it's five. I could be wrong, but I think it's five days in a row they have to have negative tests before they come back. So if they have four and then the next one's positive, they got to start it all over again. So 
perfect world, Time Lord could be back anywhere between the 18th and the 22nd. So you hope that he's healthy, you hope that he's doing well, and you hope that he's back on the eight or on let's say the 19th. He can practice with the team. Then they got the mini series with the 76ers on the 20th and the 22nd. Tatum could be back on the 19th or be back on the 23rd, 22nd or the 23rd. So you don't want Jason Tatum missing the 76ers miniseries. So you hope Jason Tatum, this only lasts 10 days for him, and we can move on. Now, the contract tracing situation is a little, is a little weird. Here's why. Kevin Durant recently was part of a contact tracing thing, and I think he was out for se- he was supposed to be out 7 to 10 days. But because he kept having so many negative tests in a row, the NBA let him come back. I think it was six days instead of seven. So if these negative tests can continue, Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams can be back the 15th, which would be great, which means they're only missing two games this week. The Celtics have three games this No, the Celtics have four games this week. So if they can only miss two, that is huge. Shemi, Javante Green, and Jalen Brown, they are contact tracing with Jason Tatum, so they could be back the 16th or the 19th. Again, if they can only miss two games, that'd be great. The Celtics are playing the 12th, which is Tuesday, Wednesday the 13th, Friday the 15th, and Sunday the 17th. So if you can get even Thompson and Grant back on the 15th, you now have nine, ten guys available. And then for the next game on the 17th, Hopefully you have Jalen, Javante, and Shemi back. So fingers crossed that that's your situation with the Celtics. So as of right now, it is Taco and the Seven Dwarfs. You got Taco, Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, Jeff Teague, Daniel Tice. Am I missing someone? Why do I feel like I'm missing someone? Oh, and Tremont Waters. So... Taco, Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice. That's all you got right now. So hopefully by the 15th when they play the Orlando Magic, you can add Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson to that group. And then hopefully by the 17th when they play the Knicks, it's Shemi, Jalen, and Javante back. So that's that. So let's preview the upcoming week. Tuesday, 8 p.m., In Chicago, the Celtics are playing the Chicago Bulls. And then they have a little mini-series against the Magic on the 13th and the 15th at the Garden. And then they finish off the week on Sunday against the Knicks at TD Garden, not Madison Square Garden. So, like I said, all the games are at TD Garden except for the Chicago Bulls game tomorrow night, January 12th at 8 p.m. If you're listening on Monday, that's what it is. If you're listening on Tuesday, the game's tonight at 8 o'clock. So, the Magic have a winning record. The Knicks are currently at 500, and the Bulls have a losing record. The Bulls almost beat the Los Angeles Lakers, but they also didn't have Anthony Davis. They have a brand-new coach, Billy Donovan. He used to be the head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder for many, many years. He won a couple national championships down in Florida. And right now, all that the Celtics have to worry about is Zach Levine. Zach Levine, who's on my fantasy basketball team, he's so good this year. He scores a lot of points, I think, last night. I don't know if they won or lost, but no, they lost to the Clippers 130 to 127. But Zach Levine scored 40 points or close to it. I think he had 37, 38, 39, maybe even 40 points. But he has been lights out this year. Zach Levine is playing like an all-star. He scores a lot of points. He is a little bit of a streaky shooter. But I think if it's tough, Marcus Smart's going to have to defend him. And Marcus Smart's going to have to be running all over the floor because you really can't put Jeff Teague against him. Aaron Neesmith against him. He will absolutely scorch Aaron Neesmith, which is which sucks. But Marcus Smart's going to have to play a lot of minutes coming up. And a lot of those minutes are going to have to be against Zach Levine in, in this bowl game. Kobe White. Kobe White, second-year player from UNC. I don't like him because he went to UNC. We, we should all know that. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Duke fan. I'm a Dukie. I'm a fan of Wendell Carter. He's part of this team. But Kobe White, second-year player. Averaging about 18 points a game, five assists. This will be a good opportunity for Peyton Pritchard to really go up against a good, young, hardworking point guard. So that should be a fun matchup. But my main worry is Wendell Carter. He's a Duke guy. He can rebound the ball. And with the lack of size that the Celtics have, he could have a field day in the paint, especially rebounding the ball. 
if you think about it, the starting lineup for the Celtics could be Jeff Teague, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, Aaron Neesmith, and Daniel Tice. Because you cannot put Daniel Tice and Taco out on the floor together. You, no. No, 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 no. You want to prove me wrong about the Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice thing? Fine. So far, it hasn't worked out very well, but you can't do Taco and Tice at the same time. Absolutely not. I will literally have more gray hair than a silver fox by the time that the first quarter is over, if that's going to be the situation in hand. So <laughs> Wendell Carter is going to have a field day with Daniel Tice. And Daniel Tyson's going to get in a lot of foul trouble, and it's not going to be good. Uh, the Bulls also have Laurie Markkinen. He's a very good guy. Uh, or he might be a good guy. I've never met him before. But he's a very good player. They also have uh, rookie Patrick Williams from Florida State, another very good young player. The Bulls score the seventh most points, but they also give up the fourth most points in the league. So the Celtics will be limited. But it's good to know that right now the Bulls' defense sucks. So if the Celtics are going to get in a little scoring battle with the Bulls, they're probably going to lose. But if they can defend the Bulls well enough and they can score the basketball a little bit, they may be able to squeak out a win. I don't think it will happen, but it may happen. So the miniseries versus the Magic on the 13th and the 15th, both games are at the Garden. For whatever reason, ever since Brad Stevens has been here, the Celtics have always had a hard time against the Orlando Magic, and it drives me absolutely crazy. They are long, they're athletic, and they, for whatever reason, always hit threes against the Celtics. Like, they only scored 33 points in the first half the other night against the Milwaukee Bucks, and I promise you they'll probably score 133 points in the first half in one of these two games coming up. It's absolutely crazy. The thing that sucks about the Wednesday night game on the 13th, it's the second night of a back-to-back and you only have eight or nine guys. They're going to be exhausted. That's going to suck. The Magic, they give up about 109 points a game, which is about 11th, 12th best in the NBA. But what concerns me is they allow teams to get to the free throw line only 18 times a game, which is third best in the league. So this team doesn't foul. They're very good at defense. They, you know, probably go straight up a lot. They have a lot of athletic guys like Vujicic and Aaron Gordon so on and so forth, but I don't know. If the Celtics, a team that doesn't get to the free throw line a lot, is going up against a team that doesn't allow people to go to the free throw line, and you only have eight or nine guys on the second night of a back-to-back, that makes you want to projectile vomit everywhere. That's scary. Absolutely so scary. So right now, Evan Fournier is out with a back injury from what I've been reading. Mo Bamba, he's been day-to-day. And then Markel Fultz, he's out with a torn ACL. And I feel for that kid, because Markel Fultz, he's... He's improved so much. He's played very well ever since he's been in Orlando, so I hope he recovers and comes back very well. This means we get to see a little bit more Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, I thought, was probably the most ready NBA point guard coming out of the draft, even though he went to UNC and I don't like him. But the main question is, can Taco Fall and Daniel Tice stop Vujicic? Guy is averaging 21 points and 10 rebounds a game, and I could see the Celtics splitting this series. I really can because the Magic is one of those teams where I feel like they may not take one of the games seriously and the Celtics are just going to go absolutely balls to the wall and pull it off. The Celtics can win one of the one of these games this week between either the Bulls or the Magic if they're not at full strength and they still only have those eight or nine guys. That will be a, a blessing on or a miracle on Causeway Street. And then finally, the Knicks game. The Knicks have been, the you could say, the surprise of the NBA. I mean, yeah, sure, they're 5-5, five and five, which is... but which isn't ideal, but for the Knicks, that's fantastic. They they have a brand-new coach, Tom Thibodeau, former assistant coach of the Boston Celtics. We all know him as Tibbs. They have a very good defense, but they can't score. They have the third-worst scoring offense in the NBA, even though they have a top-12 three-point percentage in the NBA, which is absolutely crazy. Julius Randle is going off this season. He's averaging like 20, 10, and 5 or something, something absolutely ridiculous. He's being... Phenomenal. Hopefully Grant and Tristan Thompson can be back for this game or the Time Lord. Basically, hopefully everyone is back except for either the Time Lord and Jason Tatum. Hopefully Jalen's back. Hopefully Shemi's back. Hopefully Grant's back. Hopefully Tristan Thompson's back. So on and so forth. And he's it, it's just ridiculous how well Julius Randle's playing. So you're going to need some extra big bodies out there. You got Alec Burke. He's played 
for the 76ers the last couple of years. Currently, he's in a walking boot with his ankle, but they're saying he's day-to-day, so he'll probably be back for this game. If not, that is a huge advantage for the Celtics if Alec Burks is not playing in this game because he's one of their leading scorers. Alfred Payton, Austin Rivers, good players. If they get going, good luck. Austin Rivers went to Duke as a Duke fan. I know how much of a streaky shooter he is. Then you got a couple young guys, Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett. They can't defend for the life of them, but they can score the basketball. Um, but the Magic were in the top six in the league in rebounds. The Knicks are top eight, and they also have a top five defensive rating, even though they allow a lot of points. So they're playing teams that can rebound the ball very well, and they're going to be shorthanded this week. So it's going to be very, very tough. I'm telling you, if this team this week can go one and three, two and two, it is a huge win and a huge tip of the cap to Brad Stevens. So we'll see. Perfect world. They win all the games, and they're ten and five going in going into the 76er series. Worst case, they're seven and eight. Or no, I'm sorry, the Heat game got canceled. So worst case, they're seven and seven if they lose all four games this week. So that's it uh, for episode. 106 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble about the Boston Celtics. I really appreciate it. I know these podcasts are very long, but there's a lot going on. There's four or five games every week with the NBA because they're trying to rush the schedule in. So thank you so much for listening. And before I leave, uh, I would just like to say a couple things uh, to my friends. Uh, my good friend, former co-worker, Casey McDonald, her birthday is tomorrow. January 12th. So happy birthday, Casey. And I just want to give a shout out to my good buddy, Pete OB. Uh, His dad passed away last week. His dad was a very nice guy who was a part of the the O'Brien and Sons company. They basically it's playground equipment. They if you need playground equipment, you go to O'Brien's and Sons. Pete's dad was a great guy He passed away last week. So my thoughts and prayers to Pete OB, his entire family, his Pete O'B's family is some of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. So my condolences to all you guys for the loss of Mr. O'Brien. And I think that's it. So wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance, Black Lives Matter. And uh, I'm, I'll talk to you guys next week. As always, toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.